0: Welcome to Analyst Talk with Jason Elder. It's like coffee with an analyst, or it could be whiskey with an analyst, reading a spreadsheet, linking crime events, identifying a series, and getting the latest scoop on association news and training. So please don't beat that analyst and join us as we define the law enforcement
1: analysis profession one episode at a time. Thank you for joining me. I hope many aspects of your life are progressing. my name is Jason Elder, and today our guest has over five years of law enforcement analysis experience, all with Peoria. PD in Arizona. She started working in budget grants and asset forfeiture and worked her way to become an analyst. She is the webmaster to both the Arizona Association of Crime Analysts and the IACA. Here to talk about, among other things, the new IACA website, please welcome Jennifer Loper. Jennifer, how are we doing?
0: We are well today. Hi, Jason.
1: Thank you so much for joining me. All right, we got some interesting stuff to go over. Let's start it from the beginning. How did you discover the law enforcement analysis profession?
0: So out of high school, I attended University of California, Davis, and ultimately obtained what I would call a liberal arts version of a criminal justice degree, it was a Bachelor of Arts in Sociology with a law and society emphasis. Essentially, all of the, the classes were focused on criminal justice, and I actually had the opportunity to study under the Routine Activities Theory author, Larry Cohen. Oh. It was pretty intense in college, did it in a shorter amount of time, so I wanted to take a break before grad school, which ended up being a 20-year hiatus from <laughs> criminal justice. So back in 2005 I actually started working for the city of Peoria not in criminal justice I was actually part of the community services department and worked at the spring training home of the San Diego Padres and the Seattle Mariners the Padres were my hometown team so that was kind of fun we were much more than spring training it was a year round operation event center and I was fortunate to have my hands in kind of a little bit of everything I I did two websites for that facility. I did all of the HR functionings. I did all of the financial tracking. So I was there for 10 years. Loved it. Absolutely amazing coworkers. Great job. But it was time to spread my wings. So I ended up transferring to the police department and that's where I was starting off working on budgets, grants, started doing the asset forfeiture, which really got me into digging into these cases and the files and and putting together that information. Loved it. Wanted some more responsibility, so I started doing background investigations on our prospective employees. So I... Sort of had the joke that I was the kiss of death because if I got your background packet, you most likely weren't going to get hired. Um, <laughs> because of what I would find felt kind of bad, but let me tell you the ones that the, the officers we do have, they're great <laughs> that, that made it past me. So, um, but yeah, I ultimately the position, the crime analyst position opened up and I, I really. Didn't have a great grasp of what it did. It was kind of removed and I had been out of the industry so long. So my twin sister was actually a police officer. She was a sex crimes detective and I called her up and said, you know, what do you think about this crime analyst role? Do you think that, you know, is this something that I should do that I should go for? And she's like, this is like the job you were made for. She's like, it's all the great things about detective. It's puzzle pieces plus you're a data nerd. So all of that comes together and. (laughs) Sure enough, I threw my hat in the ring and I got the job, and I I honestly can't imagine not doing this job anymore. It is made for me. I love it, and I really, really enjoy the profession and everything that is involved in this role.
1: Excellent. So are you a baseball fan?
0: Funny you should ask that. Not really. Okay. I I actually enjoy baseball more now than I did when I was working there. I mean, I, I you know it was kind of cool on lunch breaks during spring training. I go up on the roof of the building and watch a game for a little bit, but it, I'm not into, you know, tracking or anything. If it's a good game, great. I'm a little bit more of a football girl, a hockey yeah. girl. So <laughs> baseball's on there, but yeah, it, it really had nothing to do with it. It just happened to be the, the setting for which the job was.
1: All right. No, that's fascinating. And I wouldn't have thought that it was year round. Right. You had mentioned that the spring training right. facility was a year round because right there in Arizona, it's what, just a couple of months in February and March that it usually is spring training goes on in the in the facility.
0: Right. But then they, they keep their their minor league players are there year round. So you I go see. from spring training into extended spring, then you go into the summer league, then you go into the fall league and then there's a winter league and suddenly spring training again. So um, it really does go throughout the year but the we did a lot of other city sponsored events and activities and things like that so it's a, the facility itself is not just about baseball
1: yeah hmm now what do you you had mentioned how you discovered crime analysis but what do you think drew you to the police department
0: you know there was a a logical progression in terms of responsibilities, the types of things that I had been dealing with in the community services department with what my initial role in PD was. So the, the fact that it wasn't just dealing with numbers and financials and that asset forfeiture piece came in, that really sort of pulled together, you know, brought back that, hey, you know, I actually went to school for this kind of stuff, you know, (laughs) oh, this is kind of amusing that, you know, here I am tapping into something. I mean, I I loved my degree. I loved that field of study. I've always kind of been fascinated with that. And it's never that I had an intention not to be using my degree or going into that. It's just, you know, life takes us in different paths and that's not where I was at. So to to be able to kind of marry those two of what I had been doing and, and was good at and that whole number side of things, but then tie in sort of a baby step, which then getting into the analysis role. I mean, I had experience with the investigations. I had the experience with the statistical side of things, you know, with the research side of things. And then sort of the what I found was interesting with the asset forfeiture role was I was getting the case Sort of after the arrest had happened, and then putting together all the information to civilly forfeit, you know, all of the proceeds of their crimes. But then when I moved into the crime analyst role, I was now on the front end. I was doing the background, the, the workup on the suspect prior to making the arrest. So it was kind of fun to have those two full circle.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, did you work with FSA, Forfeiture Support Associates? No, no. Okay. I, I worked for them for a couple months in between analyst jobs way back when mm. i'm thinking now i think they might primarily work federal cases so they probably okay. wouldn't have gone through at the city level they were basically just the third party so it wasn't just the government season citizens right all their stuff and not having the due process place in there but anyway i was just curious what about grants and the budget what do you think you got out of that from working those two disciplines that helped you in analysis eventually?
0: Certainly the the numbers aspect of things. I mean, anytime you're dealing with money, you know, in my previous year we had a $7 million budget at the sports complex for spring training revenues and expenditures. And I literally tracked every penny of that, <laughs> you know, and had to, to have the, the accounting on that to, to come over into the, the PD side of that using numbers and how, you know, those are our resources. We're all stretched thin. We're municipalities, you know, so being accurate with with numbers, understanding numbers. Then with the grant side, you know, it exposed me to a lot of things that, you know, you don't really think in a lot of detail about the different kinds of grants that are out there, but our victim assistant grants and things like that, there's a lot of tracking. There's a lot of, we have a lot of highway safety grants, you know, that allow us to do DUI task force and different things like that. And I actually was, one of my primary grants that I facilitated was the for the body-worn cameras. So that was really a neat experience to be able to, not only in the, the authoring of the application for the grants, but then all of the reports that have to be submitted quarterly typically, but then I also attended the conference in Washington, D.C. to be a part of the grant and have those conversations about the programs and, and the policies that were associated, and the expansion of the program because, you know, we started with so many and then eventually, you know, getting additional grants to be able to fund having them for, say, all of our officers, and then, you know, potentially expanding to detectives and things like that. So, it it gave another perspective to the functions of a police department and, you know, specifically a municipal police department, and there's all these different pieces and parts that all fit together. So, you may have a very niche role, but that may affect another role in, you know, so I got to see some different sides of that, which was, It's interesting. I always like learning new things. I always like, I'm, I'm always getting involved in side projects and special projects and things. I, I'd love to continue to, I don't want to be stagnant. I guess I'll say it that way.
1: Yeah. Now, have you ever written a grant while you were an analyst?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Doing the the applications and, you know, with some approved, some not approved. But yeah, there's, we, that was part of what my job was to do.
1: Oh, no. As an analyst, did you write, did you oh, submit... Oh, no, I'm sorry. A, not as an analyst. A, a, no. Yeah. Did you submit your own grant for for completion? Okay. All right. Well, then let's talk about just you walking into the door for the first time as as a crime analyst. And, you know, you, as you mentioned, you'd, you'd worked for the police department for several years before transferring okay. over to being an analyst. So just take us back to those first couple of days. Like, what... What did it feel like walking in?
0: It was certainly intimidating. And while I knew that I could do it, it was also, you know, I was green. And the, the dynamic of our structure was that I didn't have somebody right next to me that I could just learn from. So there was a lot of self-training. We did have another analyst who was stationed in another location. So he was a great mentor to me and to teach me, you know, a lot of, you know, Kind of the concepts on thinking and, and you know, sort of the history of how we did things. But he would be the first to stand up and say, you know what, I'm not a tech guy. And and we were in a position where, you know, you need a certain amount of technology and if you have it available. So sort of some of the technical side of things and some of the recording, I did have to self-teach and figure that out on my own on Okay, I see this report. How can I recreate this and work backwards in the system to get apples to apples? And then is this working and moving forward? So it was, like I said, a little bit intimidating to be sort of blank slate, but it was exciting, too. We have a really, really great network in Arizona, and I was so fortunate to be able to connect with other experienced analysts in the Valley Um who I could meet with and be like, okay, what do you do on a day-to-day basis? How do you go through your workflow? How do you do this? How do you do that? The West Valley specifically, you've got Phoenix is kind of a large valley, and there's sort of the central part of Phoenix, and then there's the east side and the west side. And they are kind of like two separate worlds sometimes. But on the East Valley, there's a lot of very large agencies, Scottsdale, Mesa, Tempe, Chandler, Gilbert, they've got multiple analysts. But on the west side, you have a lot of smaller cities. You've got Peoria, Glendale, Goodyear, Avondale, Surprise, El Mirage. And and a lot of them have one analyst. I was fortunate to have two in Peoria. So that gives a different environment that, like I said, you don't have that person necessarily turn to and be like, hey, how are we going to do this? So we kind of band together in the West Valley, and that is a great resource. So I, I tapped into that. I was talking to other analysts who had more experience. I was asking how they did things. When I had a question, I'm like, Oh, like, okay, I just got this request. Where do I start? And we still do that with one another. We're always bouncing ideas off of each other and networking. You know, it, it's great to have that support. The other thing I did was IACA classes. I took a ton of IACA classes, the, the 12-week online classes, which were some fundamental stuff. And that's where I had those experiences where I'm like, oh, oh yeah, I remember I studied this 20 years ago. Okay, I remember this, you know, but it was getting that foundational knowledge as well as, you know, refreshing that for me as well as doing the job and and learning how to make it work.
1: Who was the analyst that you started working with? Mike Self. Oh, okay. All right. I think I've heard the name. He
0: had, he had been sworn and retired and came back in an analytical role. All
1: right. And then when you started, what was the major issues for the police department that you were working on?
0: I think that and you hear this from a lot of analysts sometimes, is that things had been done a certain way, and that's just kind of how everyone got used to doing them. And when I came in, the nice part was sort of that, yeah, this is the way to to learn to do it, but they were very open to, is there a better way to do it? So as a fresh set of eyes, I had an opportunity there to come in and go, okay, we're doing this report every week, but is anybody looking at it, and is anybody – using it. The greatest example I have is we had this monthly report that was Comstat-ish. It was the closest I would say it was. And it was literally 35 to 40 pages, and it took almost two weeks to put together. So you're talking about a significant portion of the month. And essentially, it was a regurgitation of what had happened. Mm -hmm. And it was all of this background information and all of this research just in case you might get asked a question about this one little detail. And so over time, I was grateful that my leadership was open and we had some changing of, you know, leadership and chief and things that made this possible as well that we were able to sort of transition. What do we really want to get out of this? What, what kind of information do we need? So, we did surveys. I, I, I did surveys of patrol. I attended briefings. I, I talked with the detectives. I talked with the command and really over time worked to make our processes more efficient. One of the greatest um, opportunities, I guess, that we had is that there was so much time being spent by the analysts on administrative and strategic work that we weren't really contributing on the tactical side. And so we continued to work towards that to be that resource for the detectives, to be able to run down that rabbit hole and, you know, provide this information and and help them in a tactical and a research aspect versus just cranking out statistics for reports. So that was probably where I would say there was the greatest opportunities in those efficiencies and really getting to work on the information that would bring value versus doing things for the sake of doing things because that's how it was always done.
1: Yeah, you've given me nightmares talking about that. (laughs) There is this one report at Cincinnati Police Department that, oh my, I think since the first time that I did it, I tried to talk to the executives out of doing it. It was a monthly report, and it had... 10 different sources so we never could automate it we always were calling up people for data and bringing it in and it was it was just really annoying and i, I wasn't ever sure of what the executives were getting out of it but i could never convince them to to do something that was Produce something that wasn't going to take so much of our time each month, but anyway. So I'm glad that you you have a happier story than I have, so that's good.
0: Yeah, I, I have I have a great department. I mean, it really is. It, you know, we spend so much time in our jobs, and you know, to work somewhere that you're miserable is really tough. And some sometimes that's the position that people are in because that's our circumstance. But we have a really supportive leadership and department and it's just a really positive place to work so I'm very grateful for that
1: yeah all right well good then so this actually brings us quickly to your analyst badge story which for those that may be new to the show the analyst badge story is the career defining case or project that an analyst works on and for you it's the first six months that you're working and you discover something so let's get into that
0: yeah, this may not be the most significant story. I mean, I know there's those there's people that you have interviewed that have just these amazing cracking these massive cases, but it was really significant for me because it was within the first six months of being in the role, and you know, as I mentioned, I, I'm learning, I'm green, I'm kind of like, hey, am I am I doing this right? Am I figuring it out right? And I connected some incidents. You know, we, one of the practices that we do that I think is very valuable, not only as an analyst, but to the department as a whole is we review all of the calls for service. So each morning we're reviewing the calls for service from the the day prior or the weekend prior. And that's where we're scouring through and reading to see, you know, am I seeing the same white truck or am I seeing the same kind of MO or is something that's happening on the east side of the city, did it just happen on the west side of the city? That's, that's, kind of our 30,000 foot flyover that we as analysts are very good at finding those things that that no one else would see. So I had made this connection to find these two incidents and I was like, hey, this is this is the same thing happening and it was a it was a, a male that would target elderly women in like a grocery store parking lot and he would tell them something was wrong with their car like a flat tire and they would go around the car to go look at the tire and he would grab their purse and take off. And so, you know, I realized, okay, we've got this guy that's done. And then I, again, going back to that great Arizona network, put that information out, like, hey, is anybody else seeing me? Found out that our neighboring jurisdiction had two incidents as well. So then, you know, process of putting together a bulletin and getting that information out to patrol. We actually had a a great, you know, opportunity that patrol actually saw the truck leaving one of the incidents. And they got a license plate. So we were able to identify him and then surveil and ultimately were able to arrest him after six incidents. And he was ultimately convicted and is now serving 12 years in prison. So for me, why that was significant, it was that positive reinforcement that, that I, you know, in doing this job and I'm doing it right and that this is. I could make a difference as well. So it kind of brought those things together and really gave me some confidence in moving forward to, yeah, you know, keep on this path. This is what you're here for.
1: Yeah, interesting. So do you think you would have discovered it through the data alone, or do you think that you would have had to read the narrative in order to get to where you needed to go?
0: I I think reading the narrative was important because – you know, the, it, to be honest, the, the, between the first and the second, the first one was in a grocery store parking lot, but the mm-hmm. second one was actually in a neighborhood that the woman had gone to the grocery store. He had followed her back to her house and it was uh-huh. in her driveway. So without reading through the details, that wouldn't have been an obvious. It couldn't have just been, okay, let's do a query of grocery stores and purse snatches. And sure. one may have been put in as a purse snatch. One might have been put in in a robbery because he actually yanked the purse off the woman's arm. So those are details that you just can't get
1: from numbers. Yeah. And, and it's, I've been just thinking through this because, right, I I would think if I'm at the grocery store and I have the purse in the shopping cart, and somebody right. talks about a my flat tire on the other side. I, I don't know how many women are actually going to then grab their purse to go look. They might just quickly go they, look and leave, right. that, purse the side. And leave that purse and leave yeah. that purse in the cart, and then that's easy pickings for him to just grab it and go.
0: And they were little old ladies. He wasn't like targeting the soccer mom that just came from the gym. He was (laughs) preying on elderly women that he could grab and and go.
1: Yeah, preying on my people, I tell you what. And then the one that where he follows them to the house—that's particularly creepy, right? Creepy because then she probably does have the purse in her hand at that point. I would imagine. Right, mm-hmm. you're getting out of the car unless you left it in the seat when when he came up or the passenger it, or, side or and the window down. It is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Unless it's one of those deals, but that is interesting. Now there were six incidents. Did you catch him in the act, or did? What did he get that eventually? Was, that was
0: the final one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's how they ultimately arrested him. Was by following him and watching him and catching him in the act, and and he had prior convictions. So. That weighed in on those those twelve years. This was not he was not an outstanding citizen.
1: Yeah. Now maybe I watch too many crime shows, but was there any uh, attempt to work with the victims to look at pictures if they could identify him? Because he's just walking up to him yes. and talking to him, right? I mean, they, he's got to be pretty Correct. close. Correct. Yeah. To he him. would
0: be in his vehicle, or he would he would pull up in his vehicle, and he didn't use the same vehicle every time. Mm-hmm. he actually used his son's vehicle in some instances too so it, yeah it was it was a, a well-rounded investigation if you will because of those those different pieces so not only after identifying him and you know doing the the research on where he lived and what he drove and different things and kind of you know sharing the information with the the other jurisdiction and you know working together between those different cases and you know photo lineups with the victims all of that so ultimately successful
1: yeah Hmm. Now, was it just probably looking for cash or did he get into any kind of check cashing? Cause I know older folks like to have their checkbooks with them.
0: I believe it was just to get cash that yeah, it was what could he get out of their purse?
1: Yeah. There, may, I,
0: there may have been some fraudulent credit card use. I don't remember specifically, but yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I could just envisioning, you know, you, you'd mentioned that, yeah, overall this isn't a, a major case, but it certainly let you know that you belong as an analyst. Yeah. And that's that's, got, right. that's an incredible feeling. That yeah, was good. All right. So then since then, you've been with the police department now as an analyst for a little over five years now. What else have you gotten into since then?
0: What have I not gotten into? It actually (laughs) says underneath my name and my title, outside of my desk, there's a sticky note that says junk drawer. So (laughs) I'm I'm kind of the... The resident Excel, which which is kind of fun. It's you know all over the department. Hey, I hear you are really good with Excel, oh, so that's fun to to help. And and I really do enjoy both with my work on the professional associations as well as in my job. I love to be able to make things more efficient. Mm-hmm. So. If there was a, you know, chicken scratch and pencil method of tracking certain things, I was like, you know, we can do this with a spreadsheet. You know, I can set up a pivot table for you. You know, absolutely, I want to jump in and be able to help do that. And and it's been great. Like I said, it's such a supportive department and environment that to be able to work on those extra things. I've done a lot of different committees and been involved in, you know, use of force, I've been involved in like recruitment and, you know, attracting em- employees, prospective employees to our department, you know, looking at hiring practices not only for, you know, my counterpart, but other positions and stuff. So I, I'm going a, I'm to a put your hand up, you know, include me kind of a, a person and then, but most significantly, the the professional associations, the AACA and the IACA, that's, that's a, a nice side gig that I've been involved in for a while now.
1: Yeah, you, you make me think about it, too, because when we had plotters, I don't know if even departments have plotters anymore, <laughs> but when we had plotters, somebody would always, can you print this spreadsheet on the plotter? That's one request that we would get. You'd just uh, be printing services to print out a poster. But do you even have access to a plotter now?
0: You know, I think that Maybe there's one department in our city that has one, Mm -hmm. like engineering or something. But yeah, we don't have one in
1: PD. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. That's really how it should be, right? The Comstat reports or those reports that take you two weeks to do and printing out all that paper and then starting all over again and then just. They're printing out posters, stick them on the wall. There's not really, a, obviously, a need to do it anymore. That's why they're they're dinosaurs, basically. When I say plotters out there, so. Yeah. Hello, I'm Barry Fosberg, the Senior Analyst
0: with Houston Police Department. I'm here to do a PSA for regional associations. If you're an IACA or familiar with IACA, get in, find out if you have a local association. And if for no other reason your crooks don't know you have borders, your borders typically have other crime analysts. And this is a great way to know them by name. Hi, this is Jim Mallard. I'm the Crime Analysis Division
1: Manager for the Houston Police Department. This is my public service announcement. This is a reminder from the people around you. Please don't make us listen to your half of your phone calls. If we're in a line or on a bus or in an elevator or some other captive situation we can't get out of, please be kind and hang up the damn phone. Let's get into the IACA and Arizona. I think let's start with the Arizona Association first and then we'll move into the IACA. So did you join both at the same time?
0: Yeah, I joined right as soon as I became the analyst. It was like become a a dual member is is what we do. Mm -hmm. um, So joining through the Arizona Association, we have a dual membership with the IACA. So it's a little less expensive than doing both separately. And the benefit is that the AACA processes everything with the IACA, so they get everything set up. So I joined right away, and at the time that I joined, actually, they were, they very shortly within that time, the webmaster left. So, you know, they would say, we have a really, a really robust listserv for the AACA. So we have one that is non-law enforcement and one that is law enforcement. So we may have associate members, such as a, a student or somebody in academia, that they can be a member but there's also a separate restrictive certain parts of you know trainings and and the the one particular listserv that they're not a part of because we need to keep that regulated but so they would you know put this information out that hey the webmaster's leaving anybody's anybody's interested the webmaster is actually an appointed position so when the elections came up in january of 2018 for the new roles that's where the, the position had been vacant and you know, I'm a year into the job and, hey, hey you know, I want to do this. I've, I've done websites before. I, I, you know, I'm interested in getting involved. And I knew that that was important to get involved. Like I could stay in my little bubble and just kind of do my job in my agency, but I wasn't going to grow and I wasn't going to learn if I did that. So I'm all more than happy to be a wallflower and kind of sit back and survey, but I, I had to push myself out of that comfort zone and go, let's just get involved, throw your hat in the ring and get, you know plugged into this local association, because that's how I'm going to learn more and get to know people. So I I ended up getting appointed as the web, they're like, yeah, I I don't think there's a lot of people who throw their hand up to do the website. (laughs) It's not in everybody's wheelhouse, and it's not necessarily interesting to other people. So I didn't have any competition in that, and they took me on. and, And it was a great way to learn just about the association I mean I, I was aware you know we have monthly board meetings and even though it's an appointed position I have just as much of a voice as elected positions we have a couple appointed positions but and to really be involved in what's happening with our association what kind of trainings are we offering to our members you know what what kind of things can we do as an association and you know it, it, it was a really neat experience I maintain the website you know would update things and 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 uh, gosh maybe 2 years ago now covid brain you know kind of shifts yeah. everything that we don't really know how many years have gone by in the last 2 or 3 but i want to say it was about 2 years ago we ended up revamping the AACA website it, it was again making it more efficient rearranging content making it cleaner making Things easier to navigate and find and and just more aesthetically pleasing. So I took on that project and got through that and that actually sort of segued into IACA, which we can circle back to, but you know, just being involved in AACA, I can't say enough good stuff about that, that it just served with different board members over the years and really learned to, you know, learned a lot about analysis and the association and the analysts in Arizona and how different, you know, agencies operate. And it's been a great experience.
1: Yeah. So in terms of your webmaster skills, are we talking XML coding and that level? Minor.
0: Okay. Now, minor, I have had to do some of that, but fortunately, it was a WordPress site. I see. So we have a host that like, if I really get in a pickle with something, they're like, okay, I can't get this to work. Can you make it work? But great thing about him too is like he, he, you teach me how to fish. Like, don't just make the change. I want to know how to make the change later. So show me how to do it so that I can do it on my own. I don't want to have to ask somebody else to get something done. I like to take care of things myself. So that WordPress site and learning how to function within that, I, it, the prior sites that I had done, they weren't WordPress. But again, it was sort of within a, a certain structure. But sometimes you do need to know some of that coding in the back to, to make it quicker and easier to do exactly what you wanted to do. So by no means am I versed in that, but I can muddle through when I need to. And there's always Google.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it, it's interesting too when you mentioned like how many connections you make with the association because every part of the association is most likely going to have a web page on the website, right? And it's part of the dissemination of information of what each section of the association, what their goals are, who they are, what they do. I can imagine getting involved as a webmaster for an association is a nice, clean path to really understanding what the association is doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Even I would encourage people to even get involved in just helping to event plan. Like we have, we have board members, we have board positions, but then We plan different events and for somebody that's coming into the role or how, how do I get connected? Maybe I'm not ready to run for vice president, but I want to do something. I want to get involved. There's, we have quarterly meetings. We always do kind of a a bigger to do at our end of year because we do our annual awards and whatnot. We last year was the first year we did a two day symposium. We're going to continue that. There's always roles for people to contribute and. You know, I really advocate for people to get involved and to get, you know, to to volunteer. And and it may just be one thing, but the starting point, you really will get benefit from that. If you have access to a regional association, get involved, show up at the meetings, show up at the training.
1: You mentioned forums. I don't know how many of the regional associations have their own forums.
0: Right, I, and I don't believe that many do.
1: Right. Um, yeah. You
0: know, because we had to find a secure mechanism that, and that's where that that management of the the membership database and the membership of the those listservs of who who gets which one, who whose email is you know permitted to go on either one, and when there's membership changes, being able to you know turn that on and turn that off, it's a manual process. But it, it the the connectivity, the ability to share information is. Amazing. We have so many connections. I mean, we all know that the the criminals don't go, oh, I'm at the edge of the city. I'm going (laughs) to stop here. I'm not going to go across the road and commit the same crime. And to be able to share that information and be able to find it. You know, I I mentioned before that East Valley, West Valley can sometimes feel like opposite ends of the world, but guess what? The criminals are hitting us in both places, and if I wasn't talking to an East Valley city or they weren't sharing a bulletin with me, I wouldn't know that, and I wouldn't know, and we – I just applaud our Arizona network so often because all of the analysts are invested and committed and willing to help each other and share that information. And we all have the same goal. We want to solve crimes. We want to get bad guys off the streets. And we do that by working together.
1: Hmm. All right. And is there anything you're currently working on now as a future of the website for the Arizona association? That
0: one I'm letting just, it, it's in good shape and I'm going to let it keep being in good shape for now because I've got other uh, prominent things that I'm working on. So thankfully with doing the revamp and whatnot, it's, it, it's in a good spot, I think. And, and maybe in another year or so, we'll go, Hey, we want to add, you know, if something came up. We'd, we'd add a page, we'd add a resource, we do, but thankfully it's in a sweet spot of more maintenance than than anything.
1: All right, well, let's get to the bigger fish then, I guess, the ICA <laughs> website, which, from what I've heard over the years, I'm guessing was just slightly more complicated than what you had to deal with the Arizona Association. I'm obviously kidding, but a lot there. So where do you want to even start?
0: So, I mean, just even getting involved in that, part of where I think I segued into becoming involved with IACA is the websites were on the same platform. They were slightly different versions, but our old site was a WordPress site. So, you know, I don't think anybody would be surprised to say that we had some challenges with that site. And, and it is a, it's a massive thing to manage. And you look at how large the IACA is as an association. So here's this big custom website with a lot of moving parts. And when you've got 5,000 people participating in an organization, There's a lot of things that come up, password resets, and I need to update my information, and this page isn't working, and this information's outdated. And that's kind of a constantly moving thing. So I joined the technology committee to assist with the website because I had some knowledge of WordPress sites. Through that is probably about a year, I want to say, of being involved in that, where we started having some significant issues with the IACA site. And it became apparent that we really did need to do something different. So I, as part of that technology committee, became part of the conversation of talking about how do we alleviate because that that is such a core piece of our organization and you know the forums and all of that 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 really weren't working properly, and that was crippling for for an organization. It's crippling for sharing the information. So I was able to be part of those conversations where we started exploring. What are our new options? And that's where we came down to looking at a couple of different companies. You know, we went through the kind of RFP process of what's out there, what are the capabilities, comparing. You know, there was definitely a couple of spreadsheets involved. of looking at all of these, what do we need? What's a, what's a deal breaker? What's an absolute? What's a, we would like to have it. What does this company provide versus that company? And really evaluate And lots of demos and lots of test driving. And, you know, no matter how much you think you've thought of everything, you know, once you get into the actual project, there's always going to be stuff that comes up. There's going to be, you know, perspective. Well, we asked about this, but it turned out to be this. There's, there's just the nature of the beast. That's what happens. But yeah. the last year has been really getting that site up and going, getting the, the new site. And the, it wasn't just a website. It's a membership database, and it's a forward-facing website, and it's a whole social media platform. So, it was kind of three beasts in one that I'm very excited that it's actually launched. <laughs> but there's still work to do. So that that's a constant thing that we're always there's a lot of pieces we're still working on and implementing, and we're just going to keep doing that to make it as beneficial as it can be.
1: yeah, and that's where my next question going to be was, can we just briefly talk about the the needs of an association? And how it's Mm -hmm. different from maybe somebody just thinking about normal websites or normal website developments that when you're working with these vendors, they're like, oh, there's a lot to this.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, And I think we were we were probably more unique than our vendor was used to working with in that A, we're international and, and yeah, they, they have capabilities for US and Canada, but no, we're, we're 71 countries. I mean, that's, that's unique and, and just the volume of members, but then we have many different membership structures. You know, a lot of associations have a, you know, you've got a, maybe like a professional and a student and an educator or something like that. Well, ours is far more complex. There's, there's aspects to being a part of a association. There's, there's your individual person who pays for themselves, cut and dry. <laughs> but then there's individuals who are from underdeveloping nation to where we have benefits of reduced, reduced membership pricing for those underdeveloped countries. So now you have individuals at two pricing levels based on the country. But then you have associations. You have your regional associations that maybe the people pay the regional, like I pay AACA for my membership, and then they do the dual membership, and they do that setup. But then you have agencies who pay for their members. So, you know, it might be a, a particular um you know, department, and they've got 15 analysts, and they pay for those analyst memberships. And there's all these, you know, different layers. And I think that that was an eye-opener for our vendor, and it certainly was for me. I came into this honestly not knowing the details of our membership structure. And let me tell you, I know it backwards and forwards (laughs) now. (laughs) But, you know, and and so it, it is much Work as it was doing the site. It was really neat to be involved in that and to learn all these things. I had no idea about IACA. Honestly, I've been a member for several years and I had no idea all of these, these different aspects and all of these different committees. And I, I mean, it, it's such a unique organization. And, and, you know, that's one of the things that, that with the new website, we really hope that people will tap into that and look at it with a with a set of fresh eyes and see all that there is to offer we've got this resource center that's been revamped. There's samples on there of things, new, updated samples. There's there's updated content. We want to continue to build that. We've got resources for websites and podcasts and different things like that that our members can take advantage of to grow themselves as an analyst and to get more information. And and so that the forward facing portion of the site, that's that's for the membership to get something out of that and, and to make that as useful as it
1: can be. The new website went up a week before the conference. It's been up since the middle of August and so what's new with the website? So if someone hasn't been on the new website, what's different from this version right now than what would have been up there and maybe in over the summer? Yeah.
0: I think one of the the biggest features is sort of the self-service aspect of the site. I mentioned before about the the older site could be very cumbersome because people would literally have to email to change their username or, hey, I switched agencies or certain things. And and it was difficult to, to figure out how to do some of those things. And Now in the new site, you can go in there, you can edit your own details, you can change your own passwords, you can customize your username if you want, but also you have access, and this is where that database connectivity is. There's the website side, but there's also the database. Any letter that's distributed through the site, through the association, any forms you've taken, any invoices, any anything like that is in your profile. You no longer have to reach out to... Somebody and go. Can I get a copy of this? You can go in there and you can access it and print it or do whatever you need to do with it yourself. Very self-service. All it's your fingertips. It's tracked in your membership database, in your profile. It's attached to that forever. With this kind of. Uh, concurrent with that is the training records. We are now, we backdated a certain amount, but certainly moving forward, anytime you take a course through IACA, be it a webinar, be it a 12-week online course, and eventually when we have in-person courses, that training record is being put in there as like a CEU. And you can go into the membership portal, and there's a little link for training record, and you can access it right then and there. So you you can filter it. So if you see, I only want to see all my webinars, or you only want to see things in a certain date range. So this can be become beneficial for members that need to, say, provide that information for training credits or, you know, for their annual review or anything like that. So all of your training hours and attendance and everything will be in there, which is a great feature. The, the store that's That actually was after launch that we added that. It was about a month ago. The IECA store is now on the website. So you can, you know, it used to be you had to be in an event. You had to be at the conference and you could, you know, buy fleeces and polos and pencils and, you know, whatever fun stuff that that we have to offer. And now that's accessible on there that you can order online. We'll be getting to a point of, of some customization as well. But that's a great feature. There's also gift cards on there. so. Supervisors want to give an incentive or a reward or whatever to if they can buy an IECA gift card that then that employee can use towards something in the store. So those are some great features by far. What I would promote is the community and forums. And I mentioned before that that social media platform. That is what community is. It's almost like a little website within our website. Um, The forums are within community. So one of the most important things for IACA members to know is that you have to log into the website and you have to click on the quick links. that's on the right-hand side of the page. It's orange. You can't miss it. Community and forums. You have to access that at least once to activate your community account. And I think one of the things that was difficult with the old site is that we had the, the forums basically stopped Functioning those those notifications stopped going out. It just you know you went from a flurry of emails telling you that you know somebody asked a question here or posted a job there or whatever they were posting and that just went away. And we had probably six months without those. Sometimes people would get one periodically, but it literally crippled our communication with our membership. So some people may not realize that that's back. They may go oh yeah there's a site and they think oh I'm just not seeing forum. No you actually have to go in. Click on Community and Forums, and then that activates your community account. What is in Community and what is beneficial in Community is, is connectivity with other analysts. So the forums themselves, we have a couple. the forums. There's a couple different forums in there as well. But if you do nothing, if you just click on there and you access the new site, you'll get a weekly digest of all the forum activity. However, you can customize that. You can go into your account settings and you can change that to daily, where you get a daily email that lists all the things that got posted in the forum that day. You can also turn that off if you don't want to get that weekly forum and you don't want to be notified. You just want to go in on your own and look when you look. Separate from that is you'll see subscribe button. So it's very Facebook-esque sort of look, that social media Going in and being able to like things, being able to comment on things, but you can subscribe and you can follow these either an entire topic, an entire forum, such as training, or you can follow a specific post. Maybe somebody made a specific post about a particular program that your agency is looking at that particular program and you want to see the chatter and the responses to that. You can subscribe to that direct post. And what that does is create these instant alerts and that will more frequently, anytime somebody makes a comment, anytime somebody likes that post, whatever, that's when you'll get notified. So as a user, you can control how much or how little you get notified. There's people that they want to know the minute something gets commented on, hey, I want to know that. <laughs> and it, it it's honestly it's about every 30 minutes if there's activity, you'll get that. But you can control that. So that is certainly something that for IACA members need to know. Go in there, click on community and poke around. There's there's the forums. There's different discussion topics. If you're part of a regional association, we have groups. Groups are something that's going to continue to grow. Or you think of those regionals that don't necessarily have a lister; they don't have a way of communicating with all their members at once. Well, now they have their own little group page where only their group members see what goes on in there. They can share files. They can post events. They can have discussions within their own little community.
1: So can those you create your within. own group?
0: Not right now. I'm not going to say that won't ever happen, but as of right now, we can't. There is a feature that will be coming where on your membership profile, so something that's good to know is that the changes that you want to make are on your your regular profile, that my profile on the IACA site. So if you – there's a, a portion of that that is areas of focus and skills and abilities. When you mark those, when we roll it out on the community side, if I say marked that I do tactical – or that I do gang analysis, on the community side, anybody else who has marked those same things, it creates like a little mini group for us to connect. So if I go, oh, I'm looking for somebody else that deals with gang, I can click on that gang link and it'll show me anybody who has that in their profile. So it really is important for members to revisit their profiles and look at what's in there, get it updated, get some information in there. And that's how you're going to start leveraging just like, you know, again, I'll I'll go back to Facebook simply because it's everybody's pretty familiar with it. But you think about like friends, we call them connections on the community Mm -hmm. side. So you can make connections with people. You can also control who makes connections with you. If you don't want anybody messaging you or (laughs) liking your page or whatever, you can block that if you want. But the idea is connectivity. It's about being able to. So you can send messages back and forth with other members. You can post questions on there. I always advocate keep your questions in the forums because it's easier to find them that way versus that main news feed. But poke around on there and look. There's a how-tos and guides forum where I post different you know, answers to questions and there's kind of a, a, a starter guide that's real good that gives you kind of a, a quick down and dirty. There's also a community tour that just if you're like, I don't know what's going on in here, watch that, look at that, that quick start guide, and you'll have a pretty good idea of how to move and groove on the community side.
1: Yeah. Hmm. So you mentioned the profile and the new website does. There's a lot of, of parts to that profile. There's a lot of information mm-hmm. that folks can answer questions and update their profile. And you mentioned Facebook. Now, is it something where when I post, it's something that's posting to my page or my area or is posts only with the forum? You go into a certain forum, click new topic, and then that's the way you post.
0: So I advocate that you post within the forums in order to make it easier to get back to and to subscribe to those. Mm-hmm. However, there's that main news feed on the page. Anybody can post in that news feed, and that, that's a part of your news feed. And if somebody, you know, likes that and replies on it, it becomes, you know, part of theirs. The only negative to that is that when you think of the amount of traffic and activity in the site and all of our members and all of the forum posts, if you post in that news feed, unless you've subscribed to it, trying to go back and find that the next day even, there's so much else that has flooded your newsfeed that it'll take you a really long time to go back. Does that make sense?
1: I understand that depends on how popular you are and how what they're seeing and what they're clicking on. So, With the old website, it was a forum and there wasn't this aspect of the profile per se. And there definitely certainly wasn't the social media aspect to it. I have to ask this question. Manny would say, of course, Jason's going to ask this. So what's the what's the (laughs) what's the moderation process? If I post something, someone thinks my picture is inappropriate or if I post something to my news feed, does that need okay before it posts or how does the whole moderation? process work with this new website
0: so we we still have a team of moderators same team of moderators that are moderating the site there's also the ability for any member to mark something as objectionable and if you look in the forums the general about the forums there's the the rules essentially of the forums Mm -hmm. and it you know as a user we're all adults this is sort of my my perspective. We're all adults, we're professionals. So we should be communicating in our professional site with a level of respect and decorum and we know right from wrong for what we can put in there. However, there's occasionally going to be things that people are going to put. So I may be offended by something or find it objectionable or find so I can mark that as objectionable, but we've got the rules that essentially say, Hey, this is this is what you're signing in to do that you're you're acknowledging that you're going to follow these rules by using this tool that we have available to our members so that's something that we have that kind of front and center it's kind of tagged to always be there so it's easily accessible for everybody to understand what they're getting into when they're they're going to you know participate in these forums. but mm-hmm. somebody can mark something objectionable it gets reviewed and also kind of that general oversight of the site there may be something that is marked. And then we have a process that that's in there as well of we could ultimately suspend somebody who continues to violate the terms of use of the forum. So that can be a temporary suspension of what? You're not going to have access to posting these things because you're violating these terms of use. So, yeah,
1: it'll that, happen eventually. Just, it'll happen eventually. Just. <laughs>
0: it won't be looking for your
1: name there don't test it <laughs> i promise i won't but so but and then in terms of posting though does it post right away or is there a validation process to to that because that's how right the away. old forum worked and that was one of my pet right. peeves with the old forum is that i would post something it would go to the moderators and if they didn't catch it just right it could be hours later that it eventually posts to the website which was right. no, which for me was annoying so
0: you 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 hit post it's on there
1: okay All yep. right. No, that's, that's good. And I told you in the prep call, I was like, Manny's going to be after me because I haven't taken the chance to really get involved with the website. And he knows that we put that in there for Jason Elder. <laughs> so I, uh, <laughs> I really need to get in there and really take advantage of a lot of these great bells and whistles that the new website has.
0: It really has a lot for the member, for the end user, but also some of the most significant stuff is, is things that you or I as an end user wouldn't even realize. The efficiencies and the tracking and the connectivity from the standpoint of managing an association, it really has some amazing features. And one of the best parts of this project for me is talking to committee chairs and hearing, oh, my goodness, this is going to save me so much time. Oh, my goodness, this is so great. I used to have to track this in two other separate spreadsheets in the past, and now it's all tied in, and it's there historically for that member for the long term. So so there's a lot of really great features. I mean, it was a big leap, and it was a lot of work, but it, I'm really pleased with what we now have and how it benefits not only all of the volunteers that make this organization run but also the members and all of the, the features that are available to the members. So people just got to get on there and, and take a look and, and we're not stopping. There's so much more that we're continuing to work on that we're always going to be improving this.
1: All right. Well, that's my next question. So we're on the same page here. So what are you working on? What's coming next?
0: Well, if I tell you, then I'm tying myself into that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. We're doing a lot of things, certification, working with the mentorship committee, training. There's really a lot of different aspects that little concurrent projects, different forms, different, you know, processes for, for those. So I, I won't give like one specific that will say this is absolutely the next thing that you're going to have, but there's a lot that we're still working on. We wanted to get – if I waited until this site was exactly where I wanted it to be, we wouldn't be launching – even in the next six months. Yeah. But we got a functioning, well-developed site for our members. We've got to get everybody back on there and get using it. And, you know, always open webmaster at IACA.net. We're always open to suggestions. Obviously, you want to know if there's problems, but suggestions. And that's the beauty of being part of a – you know, a professional association is that we share ideas and I don't know anything and everything about a website. Somebody may have a really excellent idea and if it's a capability, let's look at it. So we want to hear that from the membership. We want to hear these different ideas and, you know, people want to get involved. That's totally good too. I need work to go around.
1: Excellent. You, you mentioned waiting until it has all the bells and whistles. And I was trying to remember Sean Bear, when I had him on the show. He has a saying that if you don't hate your first version of your software, you've waited too long. Like everybody, hey. something, I forget what it was. There's a saying there that he has and I'll have to put his uh, link in his episode in the, in the show notes because you're always going to hate the first version and you can't wait until it's perfect kind of thing. So, well, very good again to the audience. If you're not a member of IACA, please consider becoming a member. If you are a member, get into the website, get into the forums, click on the community button. Like Jennifer said, see what all the new website has to offer. And we'll certainly put in links in the show notes for additional information. All right, Jennifer, let's finish up with personal interests. You are a concert goer. And I was talking to you yesterday when we were doing the prep call. I was like, huh, that's I get that hobby a lot. (laughs) It seems like I've interviewed a lot of analysts on this show that are also concert goers. So what is your type of music, your type of venue? Let's start there.
0: I don't have a type. Mm -hmm. I love real diverse. I, I think I was probably 18 years old. No, I wasn't even 18. I was like 15 or 16. The first concert I went to was Depeche Mode. (laughs) <laughs> and I've pretty much gone to everything in between since then. I, I love a lot of country music, a lot of rock music, blues. Those are probably what I'm, you know, spending most of my ticket monies on. Yeah. I love the big arenas, but at the same time, I love the, I'll go back to the 2017 conference in New Orleans. One of the, the coolest experiences was walking down the street and finding this little Kind of open air bar that had a jazz band in there and we sat and yeah. listened for hours and it was mm-hmm. awesome, you mm-hmm. know, and there's maybe 15 people in the joint. So it, it just, I, I love live music. I love the energy that, that that's just my go to. It's just fun.
1: Yeah. Now do you go, to, how many concerts do you go into normally in a year?
0: I would say, well, we're, we're just ramping back up after sure. sort of COVID years, but yeah. I would say a really quiet year might be three to five. And a busy year is probably a dozen. It's My sister is probably a little bit more of a concert junkie than I am. And it's very fun for us to travel around and go places. So I'll go out. She lives in Southern California. So I'll go catch concerts there. She'll come here. We fly and go all over the place. So You know, everything from a couple of years ago, we went to Eric Church and they set the record for attendance in Leeson Stadium in Nashville. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And like I've got three concerts lined up so far for 2023 right now.
1: All right. Well, since you mentioned it, what's on your agenda?
0: Okay. The first one will be Matchbox 20, which has been rescheduled for three years. That's probably my favorite band, and I've seen them at least a dozen times, either Matchbox 20 or Rob Thomas. So mm-hmm. that's going to be in May. And then there's a George Strait, Chris Stapleton concert. There's only six shows in the country, so they're coming to Phoenix, and I'll be going to that. And then um, Ed Sheeran in Las Vegas in September.
1: Ah, so I'm sure I, I'll fill
0: I, several in between, but
1: <laughs> nice. So well, that is a diverse group that you got there, man.
0: I really love different musical styles. And uh,
1: fun. Do you have a go to location that you like to sit at a concert? I mean, certainly it's going to depend on the venue, but do you find yourself? Right. Oh, I'm like a stage left or stage right. Or do you have a tendency to like one area over the other?
0: You know, I'm at a point in my life where I'm not going to sit on the lawn, I'll tell you that, mm. and I I don't really want to stand the whole time. So even mm. though the concept of being right up at the stage is kind of cool, it would be a really unique choice for me to go, I have to be standing there so that they spit on me. Like, I don't need that. But <laughs> I, I, I'm, if I'm going to go to a concert, I want good feet. I want to be up close and able to. So if it's like an arena where the stage kind of comes up the middle, I would rather not be because I'm fairly short. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to be on the floor where I can't see over people. So I'll do like either stage left or stage right on the side, but low down. That's kind of the my go-to. I don't want to do nosebleeds. I don't want to do lawn. I don't want to do standing room on lights unless it's a small venue and that's kind of the kitsch of it. But yeah.
1: Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. I've earned
0: it. That's kind of how I look at it. I've earned it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Depending on the concert, it can be tough to get tickets, right? I mean, it's it seems the vendors or robots get, yeah. get in there yeah. and suck up all the tickets when they go on sale
0: we try and take advantage of a lot of like pre-sale opportunities you know you have your Amex or your you know city card presales or fan clubs or things like that so we've been pretty lucky like i said my sister is is kind of pushes it past me a little bit so she always knows exactly when they're going on sale and has access codes and gets gets those tickets very early okay.
1: on yeah so i'm not a big concert person uh, i do have one concert that I've eyed over the years, I've always wanted to see Jimmy Buffett in concert. I've been mm, a fan yeah, of his but... since high school, and I would just do what you said. Hey, if I'm doing it, I'm going all out. I want to be in the first couple of rows. I want to be right there.
0: Right, right. Go big or go home.
1: Yeah. Do you have either a venue or a person that's on your bucket list?
0: Let me think. We were just talking about it. So going to Ed Sheeran, I think it was one I wouldn't have necessarily sought it out, but when I heard he was doing I was like, oh, I would love to see him in concert. Yes, we're going to go do that. Morgan Wallen was one. I just saw him in September. Amazing show. See, it's funny. I, I checked off a lot of those. Rolling Stones was one that I went to the tour a couple years ago, this is their final tour. Somebody's gonna die before they go around again, so I got to go this time. And sure enough, there you go. So, that was really cool. That just, you know, an iconic tour to go to. Quite a show. Gosh, I think, I, I feel like I really have seen Anybody that I really badly want to see, I've seen it, which is great. Mm -hmm. So somebody will come up, but I don't feel like I'm missing anything. I'm very fortunate to say I've really seen my favorite, usually multiple times. So I'm always just kind of keeping an eye out on what's coming next and, hey, would they be cool? And, you know, let's go.
1: Yeah. Hmm. All right. Switching gears on you slightly before we wrap up, you mentioned that you're a twin and I grew up. With stepbrothers who were twins that are two years older than me, and I have a set of nephews and nieces that are twins. Were you and your sister the type where growing up you always dressed alike, always had the same haircut, or were you looking to be different so you didn't necessarily dress alike and didn't necessarily have the same hairstyle?
0: Yeah, you know, when we were little, Mm -hmm. my mom would dress us like different colors of the same outfit. But then when we were kind of old enough to to do our own thing, we might have similar things in our closet, but we didn't, like, wear it on the same day or anything like that. And I think as we got into high school, we had a lot of mutual friends that we grew up with from kindergarten on, so we kind of had this circle. But then we made our own friends as well, and the first time that we were apart from one another was in college. She went to UC Mm. Irvine and I went to UC Davis. And we got back together a couple months into college was our 18th birthday. She came up to UC Davis to hang out for the weekend. And it was very funny that we got ready in separate rooms and we come together. We're getting ready to go out to a frat party or something. And we walk into the room together and we look at each other and we literally had the exact same (laughs) outfit on. We had no idea the other one had it, anything. And we kind of went, well, you have to change. No, you have to change. And then we went we're going to a frat party. Let's mess with somebody. (laughs) So it was really kind of fun because they didn't really realize that there was two of us that night sort of thing. And so we've had some fun with it since, and we found that we are so much more similar now as adults than we maybe would have thought when we were younger. And I think just that pressure to really differentiate, you know, we just are who we are now and there's there's a lot more similarities
1: yeah some twins that I've hung out with they are inseparable we're just always two of them but then some of the twins that I've hung out with if there's a party they decide which one's going to the party because they don't want both <laughs> want to be there at the same time
0: no, right. no you know we we were always friends i mean we weren't like besties when we were little Mm-hmm. but we are now i mean yeah. she she's my ride or die she's my favorite person on the planet i i think yeah. the world of my sister she's amazing she's my biggest cheerleader as well and and it's like there's no i can't even put into words that you know it's literally down to our dna it's she's yeah. just she's my person it's it's great
1: oh well, very good hey before we get to words to the world i just want to thank you i know just in talking with you today and your presentation at the IACA conference, I know that you have spent a ton of time for the IACA website in getting it to where it is. So I just wanted to thank you for all the effort and work that you've done on the website to make it great.
0: Thank you. I appreciate uh, that.
1: All right. Let's finish up with words to the world. And this is where I give the guests the last word. You can promote any idea that you wish. Jennifer, what are your words to the world?
0: All right, I'm going to say two brief things. One is to find something that you are passionate about and pursue it. And if you are able to make a living at it, you're never going to dread going to work. The other is to find joy even in the undesirable circumstances. Your attitude is within your control. So seek to see the good in every situation and you will tolerate the tough stuff much better.
1: Very good. Well, I leave every guest with you've given me just enough to talk bad about you later. (laughs) But I do appreciate you being on the show, Jennifer. Thank you so much, and you be safe.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for making it to the end of another episode of Analyst Talk with Jason Elder. You can show your support by sharing this and other episodes found on our website at www.leapodcasts.com. If you have a topic you would like us to cover or have a suggestion for our next guest, please send us an email at leapodcasts at gmail.com. Till next time, Analysts. Keep talking.